Hey everyone, my name is Cam Daly. I am the pastor of student ministries here at CA Church, and I'm so, so glad to be with you guys online for this church experience. How cool is that? That through technology, we're still able to connect and hear from God's word and worship together. And I'm excited to share a word today with you that I think is gonna be really encouraging for you in this season. It's funny though, because I think many of us, uh, as we spend time more than ever in front of screens, on our phone, in front of our TVs, our computers, uh, I find myself just kind of itching for something that is like not a screen, that is not technology. And so lately I've been trying to find different books that I could uh, pull off the shelf and dust off and begin to read. It's kind of funny with books these days, we have to call them like, it's not just like a, a book, but you have to call it like a book book, right? Because now we got these eBooks and these Kindle books and all these kind of things. And recently, uh, one of the books that's been recapturing my imagination uh, is actually this book, and uh, it's called The Hobbit. Maybe you've heard it before. Uh, I'm sure you have. And, and uh, I've been reading this book, and there was this really interesting chapter. And it, in this chapter, it was titled, uh, Out of the Frying Pan and Into the Fire. Out of the Frying Pan and Into the Fire. And basically what it means is this, is that when something goes from bad to worse. And you end up seeing this in this chapter uh, in a really profound way. Uh, the story starts out, and if you don't know it, I'll give you a little bit of background. Basically, you have uh, Bilbo Baggins, you have Gandalf the Grey, and you have a whole bunch of dwarves uh, who are going on this, this huge journey to a mountain uh, to find treasure and, uh, and kind of sneak past a dragon, the whole thing. And, and Bilbo, he's actually invited to come along on this grand journey because he's a hobbit. And uh, hobbits are notoriously quiet, and they can sneak into different loca locations and places. And, and so he's brought on this trip, and uh, they end up coming to this point where they run into some trolls. The trolls actually capture them. Uh, they begin to start uh, thinking about different ways they could consume them uh, or fry them up. They get out of that situation. They find themselves in another uh, bad, bad situation. Uh, one that is actually where they end up getting captured by a bunch of goblins and they're in this cave for days and days. They narrowly escape. Uh, and if things couldn't be bad enough, what ends up happening is that they find themselves on the run from not just the goblins, but also an entire uh, like kind of group of wolves in this story. It's a radical, really crazy story. But this is where this expression, out of the frying pan and into the fire comes from. It's when something goes from bad to worse. And I think uh, for many of us, and I know this has been my experience, and maybe it's your experience as well, uh, you've, you've been just experiencing that in your everyday life, where something, uh, it, it just seems like every day, the news goes from bad to worse. For many of us, it started with hearing news just a few months ago of this virus that was breaking out in uh, Wuhan and in China, and we're thinking, wow, that's a really bad situation. And then we heard that it was starting to affect places in Europe and, and around the world, and then we heard about our case here in Vancouver, and things began to change rapidly here. It went from bad to worse. I wonder if uh, maybe some of you, as you're thinking about uh, even just the beginning weeks of all of this, it started with social distancing, and that was bad enough, because uh, it was just out of our norm, it was out of the usual. And then slowly, each day, things began to shut down. Am I right? Uh, and your favorite Starbucks, oh man, your school, you weren't able to go to that, the, your favorite uh, restaurant anymore. And even church shut down, and maybe for some of you, even your workplace, 
right? This situation went from something that was just bad and uncomfortable to, to all of a sudden it was, it was worse. I think of some of you, uh, maybe uh, you thought, okay, well, you know what? This, could, this sucks, but it's only going to be a month. And then the reports begin to come out and we hear day after day uh, new reports of actually this is probably going to be the new normal, bad to worse. I think of some of you guys who are in school right now, kids, middle school kids, high school kids. It went from being like maybe even a little bit exciting that spring break was going to be a little bit longer. And then you heard, oh man, actually we might be off for some time and, and things weren't looking good. And then your entire school year was canceled. And for some of you who were looking forward to graduation ceremonies and all that kind of stuff, things have just gone from bad to worse. It's an out of the frying pan and into the fire kind of situation, isn't it, that we find ourselves in. And it's interesting that as you kind of survey the Old Testament and look at different Old Testament books, you, uh, you come across stories like that, situations that seemed really bad and, and you think, man, this couldn't get any worse for the character, for this person in the story, and then it gets worse. Well, today's story, uh, in the, right in the middle of our, our series, Jesus Revealed, is a story out of the book of Daniel. Now, Daniel's a huge book full of different stories, but today I just want to focus in on one story particularly that I think speaks to our situation. Uh, and it's actually the story of the fiery furnace. Now, this is a kids' church classic, right? All the kids in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of the adults who are listening, you probably haven't uh, maybe even heard this story preached on in a long time. But I believe that this story actually has incredible significance to our situation right now. These three guys, and, and you might remember their name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they, they find themselves in a situation that's pretty bad. Uh, and then they end up going before the king, and it gets even worse than they could have ever imagined. I believe that this story is going to be encouraging for us. Before we jump into it, and maybe as I'm explaining, you can actually just pull out your Bible and, and jump to Daniel chapter 3, uh, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of the context in the background of this story to kind of explain how this situation fits with what we've just been talking about. Well, you see, these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they actually, um, they're, they're government officials in this, this ancient city, you've probably heard of it, called Babylon. Uh, and uh, within this city, this is a, you know, a cosmopolitan city. It's, 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 a God, it's a city where there's many gods and, and lots of different races and faces and peoples of all backgrounds. And so they find themselves there as, as three Jews uh, in an area and location where they don't worship, the majority of the people don't worship the God that they worship. They work for the government. Uh, and uh, one day they hear of a decree. And so in the, in the early uh, bit of this chapter in the few, few uh, sorry, first few verses, we actually see that uh, the king makes this decree that, one, he's made a giant statue, statue. And I want you to, like, just imagine this with me, a 90-foot statue, nine-foot wide, huge statue. Now, the, the text doesn't tell us what it is, but here's what it does tell us. is the king says, and his name was Nebuchadnezzar, which is kind of fun to say, he says that uh, every time you hear my musicians play, Every time you hear my musicians play, what I want you to do is I want you to bow down and worship uh, me, worship the statue, and worship my gods. Now these guys, as people who believe in the God of the Bible, who believe in the God that we believe in, this is a really bad situation. And what they hear next makes it even worse. 
they end up hearing that, that not only do they, they need to maybe compromise their own beliefs and religion and bow down and worship other gods when it's really obvious and clear that they're only supposed to worship one God. Then it says, and anyone who disobeys, anyone who disobeys this decree, they're actually going to uh, be brought before the king and thrown into a fiery furnace. Their lives, done, over, complete. This was a difficult situation for these three guys as they encountered it. And now we find ourselves, uh, as we look in in God's word, in Daniel chapter uh, 3, starting in verse 13, we see the response of the king when he finds out that they have not obeyed. Here's what it says. Daniel chapter 3, maybe you could read along with me on your phone or your Bible. It says this, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, And his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, and robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. It's a really serious fire. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. And for many of us, we would expect that this would be their end, but something unique happens. Suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up with amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up the three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach! Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I'll make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it says they'll be torn limb from limb. And their houses will be turned to rubble because there is no other God who can rescue like this. It's the word of God. Would you pray with me? Well, God, thank you for your word today. And uh, Lord, we hear the story of these three guys that I think we can relate with right now. Three guys that, that found themselves in a situation that went from bad to worse. And many of us, and we can think of situations in our lives right now where things have just gone from bad to worse. We thought it couldn't get any worse, and then this happened. I pray that today, that through your word, that God, that you would speak to us, the Lord, you would encourage us, that you would challenge us and you would build us up, and that you would help us to see and believe that even when we find ourselves in the midst of fires, 
and affliction and suffering and hardship in our life, that, Lord, there is another in the, fi- in the fire who cares about us, who is with us, who has not abandoned us and not forsaken us. Speak to us now in your name. Amen. Well, guys, I want to share uh, just a number of points with you quickly uh, here today. The first is this, and, and I'll, I'll just give them to you up front. Before the fire, we choose faith. The second, through the fire, we are refined. Thirdly, in the fire, we see God. And fourth, after the fire, our God is glorified. Let's start with the first one. Before the fire, we choose faith. Before the fire, we choose faith. You see, these guys um, hear this decree that whenever the musicians play, that they need to bow down and worship. And when many in that culture and many in that time compromise what they believe, compromise their faith, what ends up happening is is that they decide, no, we're not going to bow down in fear. We're not going to bow down to fear. Whenever we hear these musicians play, we're actually going to choose faith. We're going to trust our God even in the midst of something that just seems culturally normal and everyone's doing it. We're going to keep our convictions. We're going to stay steadfast. Before the fire, they choose faith. And we see it actually here in their response. It's a famous response to King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it's, it's a defiant response. It's a response that is confident and a response that is humble. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 3, 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or or worship the gold statue you have set up. There's this incredible resilient faith that we see within the characters of our story where they're just, they're unwilling to compromise. In fact, it's actually just, it's such a faithful response to potential suffering and likely death. Now, here's the thing. One of the ways that people might want to apply this text or this story in today's society and with what we're encountering is this. Look, These guys, they didn't bow down to the government and what the government was telling them to do. They didn't bow down and worship their statues and and do what they're saying. We should be the same. We should step out in faith and, and, and not be listening to our government. But the difference between their time and our time, and this is so important as we apply the scriptures, we have to actually look at the context. The context of this story is this, is that what the government was asking them to do was actually was to sin. That was to worship uh, another God when they knew the very first commandment that God had given them was this, you shall have no other gods before me. And so our context is different today. What our government isn't asking us to do is not, uh, it's, it's, it's not simple. It's not breaking God's word or commandments. It's simply just uncomfortable uh, and, and perhaps in this season for some of you, inconvenient. I think it's inconvenient for all of us. But their response the response that we see that these men have in light of the affliction that they're going to face, I do believe speaks to us today and it challenges us. You know, um, as I pointed out before, their words to the king are both confident and they're humble in the same breath. Let's just jump back to that text real quick. He says this, he says, the God whom we serve is able, not 
You know, the God whom we serve might be able to, could, uh, may, like maybe, he, maybe he'd show up. It says, no, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. There's just this confidence to who they believe their God to be. But then, and it's almost ironic and confusing, uh, as if like, did he really mean what you just said? But I actually think it's actually a, a depiction of humility. Then they say these words in the next slide. But even if he doesn't, even if God doesn't show up exactly the way that we expect, we're still, we, we want to make it clear to you, we're still not going to bow down. We will not abandon him. We will not turn our backs on him. They have this steadfast confidence and, and yet this humility in their response. It's a resilient faith that says, regardless of the outcome, we trust God. Regardless of the outcome, we trust God. In a way, they're saying this, we know he's going to come through for us either way. He's either going to deliver us from death or he'll deliver us by death. But whatever his plan is, we trust him and we will not bow down to other gods. You see, here's the interesting thing, and I think this is for us today. When it comes to the idea of choosing, where, where we choose faith instead of fear, where before we find ourselves in the fire, we choose to be faithful to God. We, we have to be so careful that our faith is not in our version of God's plan. It's not in our version of God's plan. Yeah, we can believe our God will deliver us. He will protect us. He will come through for, for us. Uh, he, is, he is around us. He's going to conquer this thing, this fire that we're facing as a society. Yes, absolutely have confidence, this steadfast confidence in who God is and what he is able to do. But we, we see that they don't have this a faith in their version of God's plan, but simply a faith in God, whatever he decides to do. Whatever he decides to do. And this is what it means to be people of faith, to trust God regardless of the outcome. See, before the fires of life, we need to be people who choose faith. And it's this kind of faith that will prepare you for the storms and for the fires and the, the affliction and the hardship ahead. You see, I think for many of us, and maybe you're feeling this right now, you're feeling shook up. You're feeling exposed. Maybe for some of you, the last few weeks have looked like weeks of wrestling through your doubts and your beliefs. Because you never thought something would happen like this. And you never thought that that would happen to your friend or your family member or we would find ourselves in the situation that we find ourselves in. But if we have a faith in who God is, regardless of the outcome, it actually prepares us for the storm. And for, perhaps for some of you, the reason you're feeling shook up is because your faith was in a God who you had created. Your faith was in a God who, who would deliver your outcomes. Your faith was in a God who would do things as you expected him to do. What we see in this story that is so challenging is that, yes, they have this incredible confidence in who their God is, and yet they have this humility, this humility to just say, you know what? But even if God does something different, I'm with him all the way. I'm going I, I, to follow him to the end. I'm going to follow him to the end. See, before the fire, we must choose faith. But then when, when we're actually in the fire, and some of you might be in there, we, what we actually experience is a, it's a process of refinement. You see, um, this, this feeling of being exposed. The thing about heat 
is it makes us uncomfortable. The thing about hard situations is it begins to reveal what's really going on on the inside. Many of us, myself included, are kind of good at faking it sometimes. Just going, hey, how you doing? Fine. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm great. God bless you, right? And, and we have this, this faith that, that really has been perfected and, and all shiny on the outside. But when we find ourselves in uncomfortable situations like the ones that we are in, this kind of refining fire begins to expose us and expose what's really going on on the inside. Do you feel exposed? I think these guys felt exposed. In fact, uh, they, they would be exposed by the fire either way. Either they were right and their God would deliver them or they were dead and appeared to be foolish. They were right and their God would deliver them or they were dead and they appeared to be foolish. And adversity is like that. It it is like a fire that can destroy you and kill you, but it can also refine you to expose the impurities and beautify depending on on what you put in it. Peter kind of uses this illustration in his letter, uh, 1 Peter. And he, he talks about this refinement experience that we have through fire. Here's what he says. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. In essence, here's what Peter is saying. He's saying that, that, that there's actually a purpose to, a pain, to the pain that we're experiencing. That there's purpose in the fires, in the storms, in, in the, the hardships that we face in life. That God actually has a purpose behind what we're experiencing. You see, in God's knowledge of the human experience, it is not a matter of if you will suffer, but when. It's not a matter of if, but when. And we can even see this in Peter's words if we we jump to the next slide. He says, even though you must endure many trials. There's something about Peter's worldview and perspective of what it means to be a Christian. that It includes suffering. I think in the West, and many preachers and teachers have sold us on this idea that to be a Christian means that everything is going to go swell. <laughs> Everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be all right. But we see in this text that Peter writes, we see in the, the, the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they recognize that suffering is not outside of the equation for those who believe. But God has a purpose in the pain. He has, he actually, there's something or, or someone he wants to make you into through the experiences that we face. So he uses the experience of suffering in our life to expose, reveal, bring to the forefront the impurities within each of us. The stuff that is hidden below the surface and the things within us he wants to transform, destroy, and refine within us. Timothy actually, uh, sorry, T- Timothy Keller, he, he says it this way. and I think it was really profound. In talking about what Peter wrote in 1 Peter, he says this, Peter likens Christians with saving faith in Jesus Christ to gold filled with impurities. Mixed in with our faith in God are all sorts of competing commitments to comfort, power, pride, pleasure, and self. 
Our faith is largely abstract and intellectual, not very heartfelt. We may believe cognitively that we're sinners saved by grace, but our hearts actually function on the premise that we are doing well because we're more decent or open-minded or hardworking or loving or sophisticated than others. We have many blemishes in our character, but we are largely blind of these, even though they darken our own lives and harm other people. Then suffering comes along and out comes timidity and cowardice and selfishness and self-pity, tendencies towards bitterness and dishonesty. All of these impurities of our soul are revealed and are drawn out by trials and suffering, just as the furnace draws the impurities out of refined metal or ore. Finally, we can see who we really are. Like fire working on gold, suffering can destroy some things within us and it can purify and strengthen other things. Or not, but it depends on our response. What Keller is talking about is is what we've been discussing for the last few moments, that it's actually in these moments of suffering, it's actually in these moments of pain that we are all experiencing in various ways around the world today, that we are refined through fire, that it actually brings out the impurities of our soul. You see, perhaps it's actually through the refiner's fire that you would become more and more like God. I heard an illustration recently, and I thought it was really profound and speaks to what we're talking about. It was talking about someone who was actually confused by the illustration that Peter uses of a refiner's fire. And so they called a goldsmith. They made an appointment to watch them work. He explained that in refining gold, one needed to hold gold in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest to burn away all the impurities. Then the man continued, now, I I just can't leave it there. I, I I can't just leave it there, but I have to stand there the entire time staring at it. He said, oh, well, how do you know when it's fully refined? Like, how do you know when it's ready? And he responded, I know when the gold is, is pure and refined and without impurities when I can see my face in it. When I can see my face in it. You see, I think that's what God wants to do with us. Is that through this experience that, that all of us are going on, it's this refining moment. And maybe for some of you, your lives haven't changed that much. Things are going well, but when you are in the fire, you will experience this. The fires of life. As God begins to make us more and more like himself. And he uses suffering in our life that he could actually begin to see our reflection in it. That we, he could begin to see Jesus Christ within us. This is God's purpose in the pain. This is God's purpose in the fire. But it's actually in the fires of life that help us to begin to reflect and, and look more like Jesus uh, that we, we end up seeing God in the midst of the fire. See, in the fire, we see God, and we see it obviously just so clearly in this text. Look what, look what it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 23. It says, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, fell into the roaring flames, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up the men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, Look. I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. The profound thing about this story is this. 
is that in this story, what, acts, what we end up seeing is this, is that this story is actually a fulfillment of a prophecy by the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah said these words in Isaiah chapter 43. But now you, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you grow through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And we actually see this realized in this text, that God doesn't just say things, but he keeps his promises. These three men find themselves inside the furnace, heated seven times as hot as it normally would have been. Sure death for anybody. And yet in their experience, the king notices that within the fire, that there's not just three who are there uh, and, and, and burning up in pain, but actually they're walking unbound. They seem unharmed. And in fact, there is a fourth in the fire who looks like the very son of God, is what the text says. You see, Jesus was keeping his promise to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'll be with you. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. And friends, I want to encourage you with this thought. That when we are in the flames, when we're in the flames of life, there is another in the fire. And we see this so clearly in the story. It can seem that it's actually in, in the really dark and hard and, and challenging moments of our life that we actually see God the clearest. We don't just see God, but we see our need for God. See, God, our God is a God who continually, all throughout history of humanity, shows up in these dark and difficult situations. Uh, I, think of, I think of the time where Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son, and right in the nick of time, right in the nick of time, God provides a ram. I think of the Hebrews after they've been freed from slavery, and it looks like, wow, everything is going to be good. And then they find themselves between the armies of Egypt and this, this great sea. And God pushes back the seas for them to cross. Elijah, in his moment of, of feeling just incredible depression and despair, God shows up to him and speaks to him in a still, small voice. See, in, in the greatest fire that anyone who's ever faced, we actually see that Jesus, the God of the universe, steps down to earth and faces the cross, and saves us from the greatest refining fire we would ever face, covering our sin so that we didn't have to face it. See, our God is the type of God who shows up in these moments, and when we are in the flames of life, like some of us are experiencing right now, there is another in the fire. There is another in the fire. This is the promise of God's word. It's not that we won't face the fire it's not that we won't end up in the fires of life, but that when we are in them, God is with us. He promises that we will not be alone. And so I want to encourage some specific people here today. There's some of you who are watching right now, and you are healthcare workers and, and nurses and doctors, and maybe you work at a medical clinic. I want to encourage you right now because every day I know as you wake up and you step into your workplace, uh, it, it's, a, it's a huge step of faith. In that moment, in the midst of, of the crazy fires that we're experiencing, 
metaphorically in our hospitals and our long-term care facilities. I want to encourage you, there's another in the fire with you. I want to also talk to those of you in our church who work at grocery stores or pharmacies or other essential services that need to wake up, need to stay, stay open in these times. You probably head into work. I can imagine feeling a little bit fearful. Is today the day? Is someone going to come in? Am I going to get this thing? I want to encourage you in the midst of that fire, there is another in the fire. He is with you. I want to talk to those who work with refugees and vulnerable people groups and those other types of services that that just need to remain open and help in our community. Some of you right now are in the midst of, of just a real storm as these vulnerable people need incredible help and it just feels like, am I alone? God is with you. There is another in the fire. He has not forsaken you. I want to speak to those of you right now, our congregants, uh, who, who maybe are maybe some of our older, older friends and older congregants and those uh, in, you know, who are watching who might have those pre-existing conditions and you're fearful and you're afraid. There's another in the fire. He is with you. He has not forsaken you. I want to speak to those of you who maybe are even in your hospital bed and you're sick or you're at home fighting this thing. And there's all these fears that are swirling around you and these concerns. Is this the day? Is this it? What's next? Will I overcome it? I feel so alone. There's another in the fire right now with you. You are not alone. You see, our God is the God who shows up in our difficult moments. Our God is a God who shows up when things look the hardest. And even though it feels like in the midst of this storm that we could be so isolated and alone, our story today reminds us of this. There is another in the fire. His name is Jesus Christ. And when humanity needed him the most, he did not turn his back on us, but he came for us. He became like us. He took our place. He took our sin. He died the death we should have died so that we could know. Even when we face the worst of the refining fires of our life, that we do not have to fear because he is with us. He will not forsake us and death will not defeat us. This is the hope. And so that leads us to our third point. And that is after the fire, our God is glorified. You can actually see this so clearly in our story, which is incredible. Is that in this story, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, sees these men and face an incredible difficulty uh, of actually denying his decree and and, and being thrown into the furnace. And because of their experience of facing this adversity, Jesus shows up in an incredible way. And the king, in witnessing this and seeing this, he proclaims, uh, and it's incredible. We'll jump to verse 28. He says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. He sent his angel to save his servants who trusted him. And he continues, he says, They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. And he makes this statement at the end, and I want to jump to it. He, he makes this proclamation, and there is no God who can rescue like this. You see, friends, after the fire, after we, we, we've, we've been in the midst of that refiner's fire, and we face the flames, what our world will actually begin to do is they'll glorify our God. 
They'll see who he is. They'll see his kindness and his goodness and his provision to us. And that's, that's true for all of us. Right now, your friends, your family, your neighbors, they are watching you. They are looking at your life. And your life right now is a testimony. The way that you speak online, the way you converse, people from, uh, converse with people from six feet away, all of these things are pointing towards who our God is in the midst of the fire that we are facing. And so the question is this, how will you face the refiner's fire that all of us are going through? Because if we're a people who choose faith, who choose faith before the fire, people who are refined through the fire, people who see that our God is with us in the fire, what will happen in your and in my life is that people will begin to glorify our God after the fire. This is good news. Why don't we pray together? Lord, thank you so much uh, for this incredible story of these men who faced uh, an incredible difficulty. And Lord, right now, many of us are, are relating with them. Yeah, we haven't faced uh, death like these men did, but in, in many ways, we relate with them in the fact that there is something that has been thrust upon them, a suffering and affliction that was not their choice. And so, Lord, we pray that we could be like them. That in the midst of the fire, that we would be people who would choose faith. That, God, that you would refine us to make us more like you. And that ultimately, God, as we see you in our, our darkest and our hardest moments, that, Lord, that it would actually uh, lead and, yeah, it would lead to people coming to know you in a saving way. And so, Lord, would you help us would you use our lives to be a testimony to our friends, our families, to our neighbors, and to the world in the season that we are facing? We desperately need you in times like these, but we are grateful that we are not alone, that you are with us, that there's another in the fire. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.